0: Welcome to the Analytics of Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan McNamara. We have a special guest, a person that runs in the the some of the analytics, some of the game theory streets. So we'll have a good conversation here. Mr. Uh, Dino Game Theory himself, Scott Belanger. Better known as Jax on Twitter.
1: Scott, how are you? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, man. We're doing a home and home. I mean, yeah. you know, for, for people who can't get enough of this pod, they can go over to my pod and get some more of you and I, because, uh, we just, you know, an hour plus wasn't enough. We got to do it twice.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. We're like, what do we want to do? Do you want to just like, let's do two of them? Like, perfect. (laughs) Perfect. So I'll flip the script on you. You know, I talked you, you asked some questions there. I'll ask some questions here. So one thing that we talked about on, on, um, on your podcast that we recorded just before my daughter peed on me, Mm. so um
1: <laughs> that, hey, by uh, the way by the way his daughter is 23 years old which is yeah. kind of
0: weird <laughs> yeah right right she's yeah I got to subtract the 20 from that but uh <laughs> but it's okay um w- we talked a little bit about roster construction what do you see as an ideal let's call it a let's call it a super flex 25 man roster what do you see as an ideal roster construction in, in terms of positional allocations and sort of when you're building them in dynasty
1: that's a great question. I mean, you know, for me, um, I kind of, you know, Ryan McDowell, I had him on the pod a little while ago and we talked about my general strategy and it sort of aligns with his productive struggle, which productive struggle, um, you know, kind of insinuates that you're going to trade out of the first round, maybe trade out of the second round. And so my my optimal roster construction is generally not founded in that year one. Um, I usually have a ton of future picks and you know, I'm usually able to kind of, you know, if if I'm competitive in year one and it's not a struggle, but, you know, the productive productive, then I can actually, you know, dive back in and get the piece I need to 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 make a push. But in general, you know, if you're if you're asking me, I want a bunch of stud running backs, great tight ends, great quarterback. But you know, that's the optimal roster construction. But how do I get there? My my path of getting there for me has always been to trade back out of that first round pick in a startup and you know, I always tell people trade back as as uh, you know as as little as you can and get as much value as you can, obviously, um, and do that as many times as you can so that you can accrue as much value as you possibly can. Um, you had talked to, uh, on my podcast about this top 75 pick. I wrote an article for theundroppables.com where you can find me uh, that was. You know, a, a dynasty startup uh, draft, and I basically tried to illustrate. You said 25 roster spots. Well, 25 times 12 is you know, about 300 players. And the truth of the matter is, is that by the time you're picking the 300th player, they're all dog shit. So, mm-hmm. what, it, it's true, right? So, but what you really should be looking at is, is in any given season, there's probably 20, maybe closer to 30 running backs that are really valuable, right? You know, each team has about one. Some teams don't really have one and some teams have two, but in general. So let's just call that 25. Every team has a starting quarterback. That's 30. Some of them are dog shit again. So let's just call that 25. That's 50. Um, If you look at wide receivers, wide receivers generally can, you know, can, can have, um, you know, most of, most teams have two, some have one or three, but let's just call that 70. I think that's the number you use, 75 wide receivers, um, you know, so now we're up to 50 plus 75 is 125. If you throw in a few tight ends, you know, somewhere in that 140 range, 144 is actually what the 12 rounds, right? So I look at the the 10th round, somewhere in there, maybe into the 12th round, you know, as my I don't want to trade. I want to trade as many times up in that area. And a lot of times when you're making a a, a trade, let's say you're trading your your first round pick for you know someone's second round you're trading the one five for the two nine well they're going to be able to give you that 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 22 first they're going to give you that two nine and then you're going to be able to say hey give me your 12th your 10th and your 7th i'm just making this up for you know some later picks from you and they're like that seems cheap and then what you realize is that you know with that 7th 10th and 12th you actually got a pretty good player maybe a starting quarterback, which a starting quarterback in a you know in a in a, a superflex league is much more valuable than that person just let it be by trading you that tenth round pick and so that's kind of what I try to do now I've got the two nine my two eight whatever the hell you know and I'm gonna try and maybe do that one more time and try and gather as much value as possible and and generally when I'm because of where I'm drafting I'm just gonna draft a lot of young stud wide receivers I'm gonna load my team up with young stud wide receivers that are Hopefully going to last me five to eight years. Um, certainly have draft cap. Uh, they'll have uh, draft value uh, going forward into the next couple of years. And then in those rookie drafts, I'm going to try and pick stud running backs to, to 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 finish it off. If if I'm able to get some stud running backs, you know, I think uh, this past year I kind of employed this. And you're not going to believe this, but my first two picks were Devontae Adams and Ezekiel Elliott. I traded back, traded back, traded back. I'm in like the early third, and I've got Devontae's there. I'm like, click, right? Yes. So, you know what I mean? It's like crazy. So sometimes that um, that productive struggle becomes a win now team, and so. You kind of have to be a little bit like water and flow with it, but that's my general strategy. That being said, if 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 uh, if the league is different, the scoring is different. We talked a little bit on, on my pod. If if it's a shortened starting lineup, I may completely flip that and trade up. But in general, that's my that's my strategy. I o- almost always do that, and it it almost always sets me up for for long success in dynasty.
0: Where are you at in terms of, like, what's your ideal running back to wide receiver or wide receiver to running back ratio in terms of across your roster?
1: Well, I mean, I, you know, I don't know that I think that way. I really don't. I mean, you know, for me, if, if um, I, I feel like I can always trade for need. So I'm always trying to pick for value. And for me, I'm looking at my, you know, I, I once I'm out of the top 20 running backs, I don't really love a lot of running backs because I think they're going to be here today, gone tomorrow. They're usually replaced and and, and, and shuffled through. Um, so I'm not huge into that. You gave me a really compelling argument uh, about uh, picking later running backs, and, and it made some sense to me. Although, to be honest with you, I just don't do that. So that was one of the spots where on my pod we did disagree um, respectfully because I actually uh, am now considering what you said. But I actually go the entire opposite way. I try and pick – you know all these wide receivers that will really, like I say, buoy my team for the long term. You know I can think back to a team I, I started in. Uh, let's see, it would have been Michael Thomas rookie year, and I picked my first three picks were Michael Thomas, uh, Amari Cooper, and DeAndre Hopkins. Those three guys are still on my team, and mm-hmm. and, and now that team has. Uh, this is crazy, but it's true. It's a ten team league, so don't, don't 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 at me with this one. But uh, <laughs> Saquon Barkley, uh, Dalvin Cook, Kamara – jt acres and dobbins and it's like mm-hmm. okay fucking great you know but those the, the, if i had picked three running backs in those positions where i picked amari hopkins and michael thomas they would not be on my team they'd be they're they're dust they're dust i promise you they're dust you, we can go back to that 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 you know lev bell whoever it's just they're dust they're gone so but those three wide receivers are still not only producing but they're producing wonderfully for me they're they're dope and then i've been able to add uh, running backs around them so that's kind of how i roll so in this particular instance i have you know a ton of uh running backs but uh they're all rookie draft acquisitions or trade whatever yeah
0: got it and you're talking more at the elite you're talking more in the elite range of those wide receivers as well
1: sure yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah, yeah yeah i mean look you you've got to you've got to you've got to try and You know, obviously one of the biggest—I'm sure you do this as well. I'm sure you tell your listeners to do this. One of the biggest things you want to do is—is tell, um, you know, your, your your listeners to to try and package things like, you know, uh, trade two quarters for 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 a dollar, right? I mean, you know, in other words, trade five quarters for a dollar. It doesn't matter. You know, the dollar is way more valuable. It doesn't, you know, five mediocre players don't equal one dope player. You know, so. You know there are some leagues that are different. I just I'm in a league this year that starts three wide receivers and has six flex and it's a 14 team league. Like, are you shitting me? So depth matters tremendously. Someone's trying to trade me Christian McCaffrey. I'm passing altogether, just because that elite asset doesn't necessarily change uh, your outcome in that league. But so really roster size and league uh, league settings matter big time. But in general, that's what I'm trying to do.
0: When you said you said something earlier, I just want to hit on uh, you said that you're drafting people that will have, you know, that you think are of value. How do you define that?
1: So for me, it's a it's a it's and I'm sure you I think I read your your some of your stuff and you actually called it something. I don't remember what you call it, but I called it the dynasty curve. And for me, the dynasty curve is something where you can sort of visualize a player's career in terms of production over the course of. You know, 10 years or whatever, you know, their rookie year through the the last year in the league, you know, A.J. Green. Right. A.J. Green came in. He was good. He was outstanding. He got you know, he hit his peak and then now he's not. and He's coming back down. And so what I try to do is I try to uh, acquire players who are on the upswing of that. Now, sometimes there's fool's gold players like, let's say, Travis Fulgham last year. You could have been fooled into thinking, here it comes for Fulgham and, of course, you know, crapped out because he's not that player. I'm talking young elite players. That's what you're trying to get um, is players who are on that precipice. You know, obviously, you know, second year players, really. Uh, J.J. Zacharison did a um, did a, um, a study and it was one of his recent podcasts where he had talked about how if you draft rookies in a startup, they will accrue more value uh, year over year than any other player, second year player, third year player, fourth year player, and it stands to reason because we don't know what they are. You draft them, they're good, and then they start to accrue value. So, I'm not suggesting that you should just draft all rookies. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just sort of illustrating. The study shows that you know, hey, when you draft these younger players, they're more likely to accrue value year over year than a player like quote unquote David Johnson, Lev Bell, which they're coming down the mountain. So, you know, you you can certainly find value in those players, but they're you know, I, I look at my team as if every player has a dollar figure associated with them, I'd rather buy players who will be worth more in six months or 12 months than they are today. If I have a, a, a team full of that, then my team that I have today will just simply be way, way better in one year, right? I mean it's just that simple. you know. It, now – you're going to be wrong on a few, but I think overall, if you if you sort of stick to that strategy in general, you'll come out on the, on the plus side of it.
0: Will it be better or will it be more valuable?
1: Well, I mean, obviously, if players play well, they're going to score fantasy points and therefore accrue value. Now, if you're wrong and you miss and you take Henry Ruggs and you think drafting that rookie, like you said – Um, Yeah, there's some of that that you have to pick the right player. But that can be said about anything. So that's why I actually do focus sometimes on second, third-year players who have sort of proven something, right? You know, We didn't know if it was Brian Edwards or T. Higgins or LaVisca Chenault or Henry Ruggs, right? So rookies are a little bit less certain. So that's where I I do deviate from that to some degree. I'm not necessarily a rookie fever guy. I do have rookie fever. But especially in a startup, I actually probably fade rookies a bit more than some – Um, you know, unless I, you know, CeeDee Lamb, uh, in the top four running backs I had last year were, were players I certainly wouldn't have faded. Um, you know, just because I felt like they were, you know, I wouldn't say sure bets, but as close to that as, as possible in my, in my estimation. But, um, you know, once they've shown it for one year, sometimes those players like even T Higgins right now, I mean, I know you and I talked a little bit on my pod and you were like a little bit skeptical, but I just think guys like T Higgins, CeeDee Lamb, you know Justin Jefferson probably not a great example because he's he's the moon right now. But um, you know players that are still young, but you know I've, I, Deontay Johnson, right? These guys are like 20s, 30s wide receiver ranks. But you know maybe in another year they're going to be you know in the in, in in the top 12. You know some people Terry McLaurin last year, right after his first year, some people were like I'm not sure if he's real. Now he's all of a sudden you know. These types of players. That's what I'm generally going for. Amari Cooper in his second year. Those types of players. Yeah. Got it.
0: Got it. Um, do you find your strategy of trading down and acquiring picks, which I historically has been a pretty savvy strategy, do you find that harder now than say yes. two years ago?
1: Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, people. First of all, people get hip to me. You know, if they know me, I mean, I play in a lot of leagues with people who know me, so of course I'm preaching this, and then of course they don't want to let me, they don't let me win, um, you know. So yeah, it, it gets harder and harder. As well as I think what you're pointing out, which is that it's sort of a community uh, norm. But I, I think a lot of times, you know, when we're giving advice, we're talking on podcasts, we're we're writing articles, we're we might be talking to the one guy in in their league who listens to this shit, and so. You know, it may, while it's harder for me to do it, and it doesn't mean it's bad advice for the guy who can just fucking mop his league. You know, he's he's with 12, 11 guys who you know don't know what a podcast is or whatever, don't know what analytics and dynasty. He's listening to, I won't name any bad names. I won't do that on your show, but he's listening to the wrong, <laughs> the wrong uh, advice, and you know, um, and so he's able to take advantage of those. Um, inequities in his league he may not be able to do it in an expert league and and i can't always do it in an expert league or in a league that's pretty savvy but um i think you made the poker analogy i I look at uh, fantasy football just like poker i try to sit down and play with the the richest donkeys i can find
0: yeah yeah i'm with you on that i I like (laughs) that it's funny because i've found um i don't think there's a correlation between buy-in price and quality of player that you can actually get to more expensive leagues, and the it's actually a weaker game, yes. which is an interesting, uh, an interesting conundrum there. Uh, in terms of, it's ter- you can get into some of these these you know fifty five dollars or these you know hundred dollar leagues, and it's pretty stiff competition. And then you go up to you go up a, a couple of levels, and all of a sudden it's pretty it's pretty soft. It's interesting.
1: That's right. That's right. And I think a lot of times people will play a little bit more conservatively with bigger, bigger levels, just like in mm-hmm. poker, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. You know, you you play at a at a kitty table and you're splashing the pot, you know, Mr. Big, Mr. Big Balls. And then, you know, you're playing a 1020 poker table. You're like, holy shit, uh, just to call <laughs> the call a preflop raises a hundred bucks. I better I better fucking fold here. Right. So. Yeah, you know, you, you tighten up a little bit when you know what's on the line. And so that's probably an opportunity to take advantage of in those leagues as well.
0: Yeah. What's your, um, so you, so Dino Game Theory. Yeah. How do you, can you talk about sort of what Game Theory means to you and sort of how you incorporate it in Dynasty?
1: Yeah, great question, man. I appreciate that. So for me, it was like, you know, I, I was trying to, like, so when I first got on Twitter, first of all, I wasn't trying to be anybody. I wasn't. I was coming on Twitter to learn. And yeah. what I found was that as I started to communicate with people that I really respect, um, they started to respect me back a little bit. you know, JJ. Zacharyson and you know guys like Evan Silva and things like that. I mean, it was just it was amazing. Like, you know, you start to interact with these fucking goats who are just the most brilliant people that you've ever met. And you know, you're you're sort of, offering uh questions at first and then uh, then sometimes you're starting to voice opinion or to give some feedback and then i realized hey i might have something to offer and in my leagues that i play in whether it's home leagues and 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 some of these twitter leagues i got involved in now some expert leagues etc i realized that my sort of claim to fame or or the thing that i gravitated towards and the, the way that i win would be strategically you know um that i was able to you know sort of see the game uh which you know is just sort of my knack i mean you know i was an unathletic quarterback and uh, you know when i played and you know my, my Same. skill my, my skill <laughs> was to be able to see and predict and understand how things would would play out and that's what my skill was i mean i had a pretty good arm too but you know i wasn't that gifted but i was able that that was my gift you know and so i feel like that's kind of was my niche and I said, well, that's what I'll fucking call myself. And so from there, it obviously took off, and I I, I got to working with uh, you know, a couple of different sites, and most recently we started the the undroppables.com And I, I think uh, enough people know who we are, although I hope uh, a ton of your listeners and people who are listening to this don't know who we are and come check us out. Uh, you know, we have a lot of fun. It's a it, it's a great spot. But the way I saw that was I, I that's how I saw Dynasty. Uh, Fantasy football. I'll give you one more that I don't know if I don't know how old you are, or whatever. But I remember, you know, playing, you know, Madden football on the video game, and you know, I can remember playing before they had franchise mode, right? It was just a, yep. you know, an arc, a fucking game. You, know, you just played against right someone. Back. That was it. Yeah. Tecmo Bowl for Christ's sakes. I'm old, all right. And then when franchise mode came out, I was like, this is the funnest thing I've ever done in my life. Yep. Like this is the fucking greatest thing ever. I get to trade picks pick scout this whole thing ah this is the greatest i was in heaven well that's how i felt when dynasty fantasy football came to regular fantasy football for me it was like not the same thing like fantasy football is checkers this is chess this is the fucking greatest game am i allowed to swear on this show yeah we'll make it work
0: (laughs) we'll make it work is this a kid's
1: show i mean is your three-year-old i'm sorry i got a potty mouth i get excited i've had a few (laughs) drinks i'm so sorry i love it but um, uh, if you want to listen to my pod, the undrafted <laughs> pod, we do a little bit of swearing. Although I think I swore less on my pod with you. I was so respectful because, you know, you're, you're such a such a respected guy. Anyway, so for me, that's what that's what that's what dynasty football was. It was this sort of, you know, this this franchise mode where you get to make all these long term decisions. I don't know how many times you might have picked a guy in a regular fantasy league and you were a year too early. And you're like, damn it. I knew that guy was going to be good. Now he's a first round pick.
0: Yeah, yeah, it happens all the time. How long have you been playing fantasy, just general fantasy?
1: I don't know if I can tell you that, because then you might be able to figure out my age, and that's not very fun. I've been playing since 1999. Okay, yeah, I've actually, I, I got you
0: by a couple years, and I am I think I'm younger than you are, so, um, and by the way, our comparison at quarterback stops when you say unathletic quarterback. I was unathletic quarterback, bad arm. My <laughs> my, my, skill, my skill was uh, I could sustain a lot of pain, so... <laughs> So I had value, uh, you know, playing through a broken collarbone was one of those things that they just thought that I could do. And it was, you know, that was my skill. So. (laughs) <laughs> um didn't have the arm strength nor the uh real vision for the game but uh they could throw me out there and i would be a, a battering ram um
1: <laughs> just one tough son of a bitch that's what that's what you were good for Jordan, you right.
0: yeah i can't feel my spine but we're good we're good <laughs> um yeah i'll never side note i'll never forget the practice where i thought i was pra- i literally was in a tackling drill and uh <laughs> I I literally went down in a heap and, and, you know, I don't know if you ever had a stinger. I don't, I, it wasn't a stinger ultimately, but it just sort of knocks you, you know, your feet feel on fire. And uh, that was the experience. I was like, "Ah, coach, I, I, can't feel any extremities it comes back to me you know they're like get out there kid yeah yeah so it comes back to me i could feel it he's like all right take five you'll be back out there and ultimately it was a broken collarbone
1: Nice.
0: (laughs) he threw me back out there never found out until later on when it was a different injury that they were like when not you break your collarbone i was like probably the time i thought i was paralyzed (laughs)
1: yeah Um, (laughs) yeah, that might be the time i I will say i did wake up in in an ambulance once with my parents surrounding me and like the paramedics that 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 happens so i I know what you're talking about Yeah, yeah it's like you yeah. finally come to, it and you're like, "What happened? Did, uh, <laughs> apparently, it wasn't good, huh?" <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, why am I strapped to
0: a gurney? This is not. This yeah. is not fun. Um, yeah, that was that was my skill. That was my skill. Um,
1: so, uh, so the
0: the and, and that's where
1: the love of the game started for both of us. <laughs> right, <you know? laughs> right.
0: Yeah, it's so, so much safer to sit behind a spreadsheet. That's um, right. what's the uh? So, so the strategy angle, of it's really interesting to me. Um, because I sort of, that's kind of where I, I see myself, right. In in terms of thinking strategically and yeah, there's an analytics component to it. Um, where do you fall on the, the, the tape versus film? So I, I think there's a, like a triad of basically fantasy, uh, fantasy evaluation, right. You can either, you can value, you can try and shoot, you can try and shoot analytics. You can try and shoot film. Um, you can try and play a value game. Um, or you can try and do some combination or weighted combination of the two or three of those. Where do you sort of see yourself uh, on that spectrum?
1: Yeah, this one's an easy one. I, this one. So, OK. All the film guys use analytics. They just don't know it. So you can't do film without analytics. It's not possible. That's impossible. That's, so for me, the analytics are the building of the house. It's the foundation. It's the it's the framing and foundation of a house. The film is kind of the 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 windows, the siding, the the you know, the hardwood flooring. You know, yes, it it, it, it can help you understand what's going on. But without the analytics, you don't have the house to begin with. So you wouldn't know it's just fucking hardwood floor laying on the fucking street. Pardon me again, two swears. Uh it, it just doesn't make any sense. It has no relevance to anything else because you know what what happens with with analytics guys is they do use i mean film guys they do use analytics they look at raw counting stats they look at what school a guy went to they look at how many you know how many how many yards he had if he played was he a five-star recruit they do all these things they just don't say it they use that limited amount they don't use very much they use very basic ones and and then they just watch what they do that's fair that's actually fine that's good but you are using analytics you're just using very very remedial analytics I use probably moderate analytics I am not a I just know that they matter and so I try to go to the to the guys who are advanced you know the the JJ Zacharysons, the Peter Howards I go to them and I I, I am grateful and and humbled by them and I use what they're what they're sharing and others and I use what they're sharing and I put it into my own sort of process and I watch some of the film and I try and uh, figure out what I'm seeing. But without those analytics, you're gonna step in too many landmines. And so the analytics helps you prevent yourself from making huge mistakes like Kadarius Tony.
0: <laughs> there we go. There we go. I, I do think I think that's actually like in terms of talking about the value of analytics, I, I think people can overdo it. Uh, and yes. You know, you're getting these, you get these analytics versus film turf wars. Ultimately, it's about synthesizing information. Correct. And it's always interesting to me is like, uh, you know, people be like, oh, you're an analytics person. You're just trying to predict, you know, you're just you're just trying to say, you know, you know, prediction and and and. And, you know, you're only doing it like 60% of the time. And I'm like, well, you're only predicting right 60% of the time. I was like, actually, it's depending on the cost. Like, thank you. Like, that's a that's a compliment. But it's interesting because I, I don't think it's necessarily about picking better players. I right. think it's actually about knowing what players to avoid. Right. And I think Avoiding that, more that,
1: mistakes. Yes. Yeah.
0: I think that, that that's ultimately the thing that, you know... To, Minimizing the, you know, to go back to the poker thing, you know, minimizing the amount of, you know, inside straight draws you're you're taking to a river instead of, right. you know, knowing that seeing, that's a really bad f- idea.
1: Yeah, instead of seeing the straight and being like, totally yeah. possible here. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, You're like, We're like well, yeah, but yeah, I'm playing, I'm totally paying. Bad.
0: Right, yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> My pot odds aren't very good, right? Right, I mean well, that's, the pot. That's odds, the forget thing.
1: about it, bro. It's coming. And yeah. like they hit it and they're like, see, told you, bro, told you. Right. That's what. That's that's exactly right. That's 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 film work without knowledge of the analytics like if if there's a million dollar pot and i only have to pay two dollars to see the inside straight then i'll always see it right because analytically i am favored i, I my money's that's in good it's bet. good money right you know it's a right. great bet i just know it's a great bet i have to make. as a matter of fact i will make that bet i will always make that bet a hundred times out of a hundred so it's not the inside straight and that's what people get confused is like Film isn't bad; it's just that it, it it is missing key pieces of information that could make it better. That's right. really what it is. Because yeah. I do watch film. Because I so what I try to do is a guy runs a four, you know, a four three eight or whatever. Okay, great. Well, if if he just can't really b- break contact and things like that, you go, okay, well, you know, this guy might be a one trick pony, uh, sort of a speed back. But if you see a guy who runs a four three and all of a sudden he's like. He's, like, running dudes over, like, and he's physical. Okay, now I'm seeing something, you know. It's like uh, Daryl Henderson. You know, Daryl Henderson was a, was, a, was, a, was a analytics darling in some ways, you know, because he was almost nine yards a carry. You turn on the film and it was like, I mean, he was running at an airport. It was just like nobody was around him. He was just gone. Like, it was cool, but he didn't he didn't have Kareem Hunt film. And so, yeah, there you go. So, I mean, switch those two places, maybe, you know, so Cream Hunt's probably better. Yeah, even though analytically, you know, he doesn't look as good or whatever. You know, I'm just making these two guys up, but you get my point. You know, the film does help fill in some of the blanks. Otherwise, Daryl Henderson would have been the 1.01. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, he would have. Um, but I didn't how, have there, you know. <laughs> no, no, I didn't either. Um, I didn't either. He was one of those guys was just – it seemed – it's funny because I, I have like a hall of, I have a hall of, like a like a honor board or you know like one of those hall of fame uh, you know plaque things or whatever with with the you know the guys that I wasn't on in rookie drafts that ultimately you know proved to be kind of what I thought they were and then ultimately I'm on the plus side of them so like. David Montgomery is a good example of that. Like I, he's kind of exactly what I thought he was, and now all of a sudden, through two years, like everyone's fading him, and I was like, wait a second, this is actually a really good profile now. Like it wasn't, I didn't love it coming in; it was too expensive coming in, but now it's like dropping like a rock after a top ten season. Like what are we doing? Uh, like Daryl Henderson was one of those guys. Like it was yeah. way overpriced, and then it got underpriced, and now it's probably still underpriced, and it's interesting. So
1: that's right. That's right. I yeah. remember when uh, when Daryl Henderson. So I usually do analytics first, then film. Mm-hmm. And so I had Daryl Henderson. I think at my 101 that year. I was like Daryl Henderson, no no doubt. And then, then I watched. And I'm like, nope, it's not. And yeah. I had Miles Sanders one, Jacobs two. I didn't like Monty very much. I think I begrudgingly had him three, but I don't think I owned any of them because I just faded for AJ or whatever. Just anybody else, you know. But um, but yeah. So that that's exactly right. So I mean. I don't even think I had that much Daryl Henderson, even though at one point during my process because he looked so good on paper, that's where analytics and film I think go together. And and also just, just sort of reading the, the whether you call them tea leaves or whatever, but you know, just sort of understanding look what the what the NFL thinks of a of a player also matters because draft capital matters. So, you know, that's analytics, by the way. You know, that's that's just using what the information you have to help you be better
0: yeah yeah the the simplest form is is that really yeah um, draft just if you know draft pedigree and nothing else I think you can you can use it uh weaponize it pretty well
1: that's right i mean every every other model and every other process is only trying to approve upon draft capital correct if you that yeah, you're just if you can beat draft capital, you're a wizard,
0: yeah, and it's funny i saw I saw recently someone tweeted out that you know, oh look, my model, like it, this is how it does. And they, they sort of compared it and it was exactly it was like a film based model. I think it was a film based model, and it was exactly what draft pedigree was. And I was like, you know, it's tough to beat it. You know what I mean? It's tough to <laughs> yeah. it is tough to beat that that <laughs> just the number, um because it's right. it's so impactful. Uh it shows up everywhere and you know, all throughout a player's career. That's right. Um what do you what what do you think the biggest mistake dynasty owners make is?
1: Falling in love. Yeah, falling in love. I mean, you know, and, and falling out of love, right? Like, and you said it. It's like Monty. You know, um, you know every player. You know, I mean, hey, the, the goat said it. Matthew Barry. I don't hate players. that hate ADPs, right? You know, I, I, but yeah, falling in love a little bit, I think, is is probably a big a big mistake. Um, yeah, j- you know, I think I said on my pod too. They're they'll double down. Right. Mm-hmm. So we all do that, you know, and I think that's something I try not to do, or at least I tell myself I don't want to do. So therefore, hopefully I don't do it as much as some other people. But we all double down, you know, sunk cost corollary. Right. I already invested the first. I'm not going to just sell him for a second here. Nikhil Harry, perfect example. If you mm-hmm. own Nikhil Harry and drafted him. I did this with Nikhil, by the way, drafted him in the first round, uh, you know, in his draft class with uh, 2019. Right. Uh, the next year, I sold him for a second. I don't even remember who I got for that second. It was one league. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in too many leagues, but um, you know, I remember I, I I'm fine getting the second. It was totally great. I'm so excited. You know, I got out of him for a second. Now, I don't think he can sell Nikhil Harry for a second. And if he bombs again, so now actually is a buy, right? I'll go buy him again for you know a, a package. I did that in other leagues. I bought him where you know it was a throw in on an, an another deal. So you know, don't just well, I already invested the first. I got to see this through. No, you don't. That's like pot committed, right? You know mm-hmm. when you think you are, mm-hmm. right? So, you know that that's a that's a big one. And that's sort of that emotional. I mean, letting an emotional um, reason guide you uh, would be, you know, basically I think the, the the wraps it all up in a bow right there.
0: Yeah. So two different types of profiles I want to sort of ask you about. Uh, we'll call this the underperforming. Not to the Nikhil Harry level, but let's say Jerry Judy, Jalen Rager, sort of underperforming uh, rookie, underperformed expectation as a rookie. Right. Um, A big conversation at this time of year uh, in terms of what to do with that type of profile. Uh, Maybe not necessarily the specific players, though, if you do have a specific take on the specific players, that that works, too. But sort of how do you treat that profile and, and sort of from, from a value perspective?
1: So there's a lot of data, and I know you know this, so I'm just preaching to the choir, but there's a lot of data that shows that a first-round wide receiver who underperforms in his rookie year is very unlikely to break out later. You know, uh, we just don't see it too often. It does happen. I'm not saying it doesn't, but that's a that's a profile to be afraid of. So if you're going to, you know, if you're going to, Invest there, you have to invest lightly. But, like, yeah, if you're talking about like um, Jerry Judy and Jalen Rager, um, I kind of like both those types of players because I don't think they underperformed in a way that was like alarming to their skill. I think it was alarming to their situation more so. Uh, Rager was hurt, played on a team that was just an absolute albatross, had a lot of issues. You look at uh, Drew Locke and Jerry Judy, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but. Uh, catchable target rate was definitely low with Jerry Judy. He, he suffered through some, some pretty, uh, uh, bad targets. You know, in other words, I think he was better than his numbers. So I think each situation needs to be looked at. And, and again, don't fall in love. Don't just be like Jalen Rager's awesome, bro. I'm, I'm getting him. like, look at it uh, and figure it out. You know, um, I, I, I don't know that Jalen Rager is going to come through. I've, I invested in him as another sort of throw into a bigger trade, you know, and it didn't feel great. I was like, all right, we'll see. But at the end of the day, it's like it's just another lottery ticket. So, you know, that's the way I would look at it. But, yeah, those are the types of guys. I'm not overly confident that they're going to bounce back. But because they've got draft capital, uh, you know, Nelson Aguilar, Mm Devontae Parker, Devontae Adams, Mm -hmm. a a lot of people are too young or or they have short memories. They don't remember that. Oh, I remember the
0: pain. He was done. I remember the pain. Yeah.
1: I mean, if he was a third round pick, he would have never played ever again. Mm -hmm. That's a fact. Mm -hmm. The fact that he was a high high draft pedigree player was what buoyed him to opportunity. And then at some point, I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, I don't know. There's probably not two or three uh, historical profiles like Devontae Adams. Maybe none. Mm -hmm. I mean, to, to perform the way he did in the first two years and then be the player he is, the the stone number one wide receiver asset in the league right now is just unbelievable. You okay. never see it. So you know to sort of use Devonte and say no, it's possible. You know Nelson Aguilar, Corey Davis, Devontae Parker. These are success stories of not performing and then breaking out. And these guys aren't elite. So you can't necessarily expect you know Jalen Rager to be you know this this you know elite wide receiver. It's more likely he's not. He may be okay but it, you know it could be over for guys like that you know the 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 NFL is littered with them you know yeah. so it's possible so yeah. be careful
0: yeah i think my base rates would put him about a 50-50 bet right now which you know, and the the value doesn't like him very much in terms of you know his odds of dropping. He's got to do it this year. He kind of falls. He falls kind of plummets pretty hard. It looks like. So that's pretty much the he's on the the third year quarterback uh, precipice, that cliff, that value cliff right now.
1: Yeah. Put it this way: Add Gabriel mm-hmm. Davis ahead of Jalen Rager, and I'm I don't even think that's a hot take for me. It's not. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, give me Gabriel Davis every single time over Jalen Rager.
0: Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, what's your? So let me so let me pivot for a second. What's your? What's the best case for for Gabriel Davis?
1: I mean, I you know, so I'm a Gabriel Davis fan. I thought analytically, the only thing he missed going in to the draft or coming out of the draft was draft cap, which he got picked in the fourth round. And everything that I really look at is. You know, with wide receivers, you really for elite wide receivers, you really want a wide receiver to be drafted in the first three rounds if they're ever going to be elite. Um, he missed that, but every other sort of basic metric I look at, he hit. So he was a he was an absolute. I thought he should have been drafted in the in the first three rounds and and fell to the fourth. So for me, he's the type of prospect where, you know, when I was looking at him, I was like, I see eighty percent of Kenny Galladay. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's Kenny Galladay, but I'm like, this is a legitimate, uh, you know, alpha X profile who could absolutely, you know, see, you know, a hundred plus quality targets in a good offense and, and score touchdowns. So he has wide receiver one uh, upside in terms of he could finish as a wide receiver one in his career. I think the hot take I had was he will be a wide receiver two this year, which Probably won't happen actually. If I had to bet actual money, it's a hot take. But I really think that that's where his upside lies this year. Um, I think he's gonna look. He, you, you want to talk about playing? He played a lot. Um, you know, the I, I wrote a a, a a little tweet thread right after week one in the NFL, and my my tweet for Buffalo included Gabriel Davis, and it was that he was I think I think it was the first target of the game. He was on the field. They were just trying to get him involved. It seemed like they were doing that all season. They had other options and John Brown, Cole Beasley, obviously Stephon Diggs, but they still found him on the field for the second most staffs on that team. Uh, He was the wide receiver, too, in his rookie season. Uh, I think they love him. I think he's going to be firmly the wide receiver, too, this year. Um, Hopefully that offense can continue to sing. So, yeah, for me, Gabriel Davis is an absolute buy. Um, I know there's a lot of buzz on him, so in some spots he's hard to get. But, um, yeah, he's he's, – He's just a really, really great wide receiver. Great body, uh, great physical attributes. Um, you know, he's a touchdown scorer. He's a red zone target. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm wheels all the way up for Gabriel Davis going into this season.
0: What's the odds? What odds would you place on him finishing with a top twenty-four seasonal finish in his career?
1: Probably better than 50 percent. I probably haven't thought about it there, but probably in that ballpark, I think. Okay. And I think he's got a pretty good chance of it. Um, right. Does that make sense to you or what from your research? Does, is that uh, logical or does that not make sense? That answer?
0: Um, I mean, historically, like a like a top 24 seasonal finish for a fourth round guys, like five percent.
1: Correct. So, I agree with that. That's why so, I said, that's why 50 yeah. sound. Yeah. But now if we look at all the fourth round players who scored 10 touchdowns in the rookie or whatever he scored, mm-hmm. that's a different list, right? True. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Now, you know, take, take his performance and and that's really what, what I'm looking at because a lot of fourth round receivers should have been drafted or should have been undrafted. They're complete dog shit. I mean, let's face it. Henry Rugg should have been drafted in the fourth round. Gabriel Davis had a better uh, claim to be drafted in, in in the second round, uh you know. So I think that that was a little bit of a of a, a, a market correction. Uh, I don't think Gabriel Davis was like, oh, he's better than Justin Jefferson. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I thought he was probably in that top top ten wide receivers in that class, um you know, which means that he's got a shot. um okay. You know, I think I had sh- shared with everybody. I've been, you know, just trolling James Robinson owners, and and I had James Robinson as running back thirteen uh Mm pre-draft and then he goes undrafted i was like "Eh, i guess i was wrong Mm -hmm. you know so you know sometimes you think you know you don't know i mean those were two of the guys i really kind of hit in that draft from, from my from my process
0: yeah that the justin or the uh james robinson that that story like uh i've liked him coming out of the draft he was one of my couple recommendations for udfas you know i don't hmm. make a ton of udfa recommendations just because they're really bad bets historically right, but right but like there were a couple of them last year it was him and michael warren and it was like i,
1: like I don't michael know warren.
0: how he went undrafted and you know you look at it's like all right 220 pound guy 220 pounds plus can move and can catch you're like, all right, that's that's pretty valuable, and, and it went undrafted, and you're kind of like, I don't understand what I'm missing, right. um, and but then it's t- t- his story t- to go from basically the fourth at best, the fourth guy in in the pecking order. Fournette gets uh gets cut because Doug Marone is um can't get along with people, and then uh you had uh well Armstead gets COVID and that's long hauler COVID, right? The odds of that for a uh, for a uh, an NFL player were very low last year. And then uh, divino Sickbo gets hurt, and then all of a sudden, like James the, the James Robinson is the guy, and he ho- he holds on. And I I sold short, you know, I was like, oh, he was an inside
1: a- straight. He was an inside yeah. straight. He drew,
0: yeah. yeah, like an inside straight is generous. <laughs> yes, yeah, he was a
1: he was a one outer exactly yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: And uh, it's pretty remarkable to see him sort of go through that. And so the people are going to chase that story again. And it's going to be like, yeah, you're going to you might not see that for another decade. You know, my, that's, a, that's a pretty unlikely outcome.
1: My 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 uh, comp or not my comp. I mean, uh, my my James Robinson for this year. In other words, guy that's kind of flying under the radar, small school. But I think he's got the goods that if he got the opportunity is Elijah Mitchell. Um, mm-hmm. He came in a little lighter than I wanted him to be. I think it was I, I, I missed it. I think it was two o something, two o five ish. I would have liked to have seen him a little bit heavier, but Elijah Mitchell he scorched the earth too. He was fast. He's explosive. Uh, so that was really exciting. So it made me feel a little bit better, even better about Elijah Mitchell going forward. I, I like him a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I think like he that. might.
1: Get- you might get drafted, actually, so we'll see. Yeah,
0: I mean, that'd be be nice to see. I I, uh, I do find the profile intriguing. Uh, let me ask you this: uh, besides Elijah Mitchell, is there a player in this draft class that you could envision yourself uh, owning in 100% of your leagues? Whether that's a combination, and that, that's typically a combination of you really like the profile, and it's a you, you think it's a really good discount price.
1: <laughs> that's the that's bingo. Because I was going to say you can. You really have to be talking about a third rounder that everybody's going to be overlooking because, generally speaking, there's one that I think I'll own in zero. Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned his ass. Uh, you know, Kadarius Tony. I I comp Kadarius Tony. Well, I'm going to filibuster while I think about your question. I comp I comp uh, Kadarius Tony to Lynn Bowden, and I love mm-hmm. Lynn Bowden. I was drafting Lynn Bowden everywhere in uh, in, in the third round uh, yeah, last same. year. You know, I loved him. So for me, Lynn Bowden was a great value, and I think if Kadarius Tony were in the same spot and thought of the same way, I'd be all over him too, because I think he's actually, you know, an interesting little prospect. But you know, if he gets drafted anywhere near the first round, you know, I just can't, I can't, I can't imagine spending that kind of um, value on on Kadarius Tony. Uh, we we uh, we nicknamed him and coined him Cadaver the Tony because he's dead <laughs> <laughs> All right,
0: so that's good. So, Dad, the, I'll I'll ref- I usually ask that question to guests. So that'll be the the question. I'll have either 100 percent or zero percent. So he's like
1: definitely
0: the, zero. He's the definitely the zero. But you, you can know, see if, yourself if, having if were, a lot of Elijah Mitchell.
1: It, it, I was gonna say if it were right now, it, it'd almost be certainly Elijah Mitchell because I think I've got Elijah Mitchell uh, right now as prospect 24. So that would put him in a super flex. In a super flex. So that's way higher than consensus, I'm sure. Yes. I would never draft him at the end of the second round because you would never have to. But that's where I've got him. So I'm sure I would be able to get him every time in the third, late third right now. So it would be him. If I, but I'd like to give you another answer if I can find one. Let me just see here real quick. Um, God. Um, you know, hey. Uh, dang it. I, I was going to say. Um, I don't know. That's tough. Yeah. Uh, Elijah, Elijah Mitchell is definitely the answer. Yeah. Uh, maybe Tylen Wallace a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I'm that far ahead of consensus. I haven't met player 18 uh, in Superflex, Um but, but I, but I, I, you know, I like him a lot. You know, I have him right behind uh, Rashad Bateman right in there with, you know, Elijah Moore and, and I'm on Ross St. Brown. I have him ahead of, you know, Diami Brown and, um you know some of those other players so i i really like tylen wallace i think um you will know, we'll have to see where he gets drafted and uh he could be a sneaky player that I, i'm gonna like a lot but elijah mitchell's the answer for sure okay i like it um by all right by the two, way last year last yeah. year it was alberto um, have oh, yeah. alberto everywhere and poor son of a bitch broke his you know uh tore his acl or whatever so yeah, we can see that. One. But anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, no, no. I was uh, I, I liked his profile and it was weird that he, got, he fell a lot further than I expected him to fall as a yes. unicorn like profile. Yes. Um. All right. So so last two questions. So you. Um, you. Uh, well, let me ask you this as a threshold to this. What do you do for a living?
1: So I'm in I'm in uh, I, I, I manage a BMW sales team.
0: Okay. What? And,
1: um, yep. and, and, and I'm sure your listeners must know that you're interrogating me right now, <laughs> Mr. Mister uh, Counselor.
0: <laughs> so I try to see the rule on questioning is you never just presume something. So you just let the per you just ask the person the question that you know the answer to. So instead of tr- me trying to lay out a question, I'll just ask you what you do. What from that? uh, What from your job have you or that you a skill that you've learned from your job? Yeah. Have you incorporated into your dynasty process that you think is uh, that has made you a better dynasty GM or dynasty owner?
1: That's a good question. God, what are these questions? I mean, I didn't ask you any of these questions. This is unfair. <laughs> we should I mean, boy, oh, boy. No, um, that's mm-hmm. a good one. That's like – th- this is one of those – you know what this is? This is one of those interview questions, right? Mm-hmm. You're at the you're, – you're doing the job interview, and they're like – You know, in your uh, sports career, what is in your sports career, you know, prepared you for, you know, um, I would say um, thick skin, you know, and so. You know, thick skin, you know, I, I, I've heard all the excuses. I know people really well. And I think, you know, term I had uh, Randall Kennedy, who's my partner over at the Undroppables, and he he does the unscripted pod, which is a great pod, by the way. You guys got to listen to the unscripted, another Undroppables pod. I had Randall uh, fancy Terminator. So term, if you all don't know, him. term was on my show last week and we talked a little bit about stuff, uh, dynasty strategy. And he said, you know, it's important to know your another poker analogy he said it's important to know your other league mates just as much as it is to know players Mm. because if you know that your league mate is a raider fan or you know and he'll overpay for Derek carr or this guy just loves this player or that player then you can maybe if you're on the clock and they're about to be you know the next adp they're up you can you know hold them ransom for that pick or whatever, right? All of these strategies that we want to employ come from really knowing people. So I think, you know, that's something that I've, I've, I've kind of, whether I like it or not. And I think that's probably something that I think you've probably learned, you know, you've learned some, probably some bad people too, but (laughs) maybe there's some good stories there too. I, I don't know, but I certainly know what motivates people and, and what, you know, how they're how they're triggered into fear or excitement or emotional, you know, uh, reactions. And so, um, you know, and I'm able to, you know, comfort them, <laughs> yes uh, you know, and to uh, placate them or whatever it needs to be so that I can, you know, proceed with the with whatever it is, a trade, a, you know, generally trading, but also, you know, understanding strategy of who they might uh, go for. I mean, in Dynasty You know, it's a solo sport, you know, but you're also really taking advantage of 11 other people all at the same time. But, you know, you have to work with them. If you just continuously, you know, kill them, then they're dead and they'll never trade with you and you're on an island. So you really have to have good relationships, too. So all all that really matters in Dynasty. I mean, if you're hated by your league, you're you're screwed because people are going to blackball you, even silently. I've seen it done, Mm -hmm. you know. And, uh, you know, I, I'm i in one league where I'm in with a lot of friends, but I've won the league four years in a row and everybody hates me. I mean, mm-hmm. they love me. They're my friends, but they fucking hate me. They won't trade with me. I could send I think last year I sent uh, I sent a trade in that league. I sent uh, Cortland Sutton, uh, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, Paris Campbell. And uh, there were there were my picks, but three first round picks for Christian McCaffrey got turned down. Mm -hmm. yeah
0: yeah just (laughs) just give just giving the world away no one one will deal with you
1: yeah no thank you i'm like okay i see what we're doing here and that's it probably was the right move i don't know i'm not even saying like but you'd think that would offer a counter (laughs) (laughs) you know and just just switch that one pick to someone else's pick or so i don't know but you know so i think um you know you definitely want to keep the personal relations going with with the people in your league
0: no, I like that. I like that. What is uh, uh, so outside of maybe the work? Is there is there something from another uh, another sport, whether it's whether it's business and maybe not necessarily the personal relationship aspect of it, but maybe something else, uh, maybe a different sport, um, something you learn totally outside of dynasty fantasy football that you sort of put into play as a strategy?
1: I mean, you know, I said it earlier. It's like honestly, it's seriously, it's franchise mode Madden. You know, mm-hmm. it's understanding, but it's also, I think, just if you're good at strategy games, I think you might be someone who could be good at 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 at, at Dynasty. I mean, you know, uh, DFS. You know, same type of thing. I mean, you want to make money, you really have to figure out the edges. You know, you talked about it. You win 60% of the time. Someone calls you a moron. That's a millionaire. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. if if you can win at poker 60% of the time you know, betting, your you know, DFS, all those things, it, you know, you just need to win on the margins. And I think that, you know, I, maybe it's just how I'm put together too. I'm, I'm a very competitive person. Um, I'm, a, I'm kind and empathetic, although I'm an asshole because I'm from Massachusetts. So got a lot of uh, pathology in this, this crazy messed up brain, but, but, you know, at the end of the day, I'm very competitive, but I think, uh, you know, my, if, if I have a gift, it's probably that sort of strategic, uh, you know, interpersonal gift, which is fun. I, it's, it, to me, it's, I, I get a lot of, you know, pleasure and joy from it. I mean, I think, you know, it's a lot of fun to, uh, you know, to, I don't know, to, to, to hit the game winning shot, to, to throw the game winning touchdown. I mean, nothing's ever been more fun. I, you know, I've done both of those things at a, at a low level, but I've, I've hit a game winner like mm-hmm. in basketball, I hit a game winner. It's like there's nothing better, man. I mean, the only thing better than that was, you know, uh, my children being born. I mean, like, literally, it's like the highlight <laughs> yeah. of my life. Like, seriously, you know, it's in high school, you know, in a half-empty auditorium, but you hit the game winner, and it's just like, fuck, that felt amazing. Like, yeah. so I think all those things are just the competitive nature. You know, I had I had Tommy. Uh, uh, Tommy played, uh, was also part of the Andropos. I had him on my first pod, and we talked about, like, real football. And I, I made this point. It sounded like it happened to you, too. But, like, except for, like, John Elway like the game gets taken from everybody mm-hmm. like nobody leaves on top right mm-hmm. like like literally even the pros like you get you get released you get cut You 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 go out, like Drew Brees retires not winning the Super Bowl. Like he has to be like, Fuck, I could have gone one more. I don't know. I guess I'm gonna give it up. Like the game just gets taken from you at some point. And for most of us it's like in high school, you know, Mm -hmm. you can't play college because you're not good enough, or maybe you play a little bit of college and then you're not good enough, or you play college, you can't make the pros, you're not good enough. Like somewhere along the line, you get hurt. Uh it gets taken from you. And I think, you know, the things that we do, fantasy football and this sort of stuff, it it feeds that monster. Uh Mm -hmm. I, I want it to be the fucking quarterback of the new england patriots like it was when i was seven that was for sure gonna happen you know what i mean like mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you felt the same way but i wasn't i didn't think it was maybe it was for sure man i was definitely gonna be a pro athlete and of course i'm not you know <laughs> of course right. i'm not like of course i'm not but um so yeah i think you just try and hold on to it and this is so much fun so i have a ton of fun playing
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I got to be honest, it was a fun, uh, you know, outside of the uh, outside of the the problems we had during our break. Um, besides that, I had a good time getting together tonight. You know, obviously we had the we had the two parter uh, this one and then, you know, go check out your podcast as well, where we did, uh, you know, we did quite a bit of talk. We actually talked about players, too, and I think we did a pretty good job of not talking about my favorite podcasts are ones where we don't even talk about players. And I think we did a a fairly good job of that. So, um, you know, outside of the outside of a couple there, uh, you know, with the the specifics on, on rookies. Um, But I got to thank you for coming on. Uh, This was, really good time we've been i've had this on my calendar for a while and i've been looking forward to this so me me Um, too
1: man i'm so happy uh i gotta tell you we uh, you know i'm cutting you off one last time which i've done a few times but sorry we did it too i did it on your podcast it's fine you're amazing i i first of all i i gotta say this because i'll give you some credit like we've we've sort of run into each other here and there on twitter but it's a totally different thing when you get a chance to talk to somebody mm-hmm. and meet them and get to know them and you know i know we're only meeting you know by proxy and whatever zoom you want to call it but you're a hell of a dude i respect you way more and, and and i respected you before but way more than i did then i'd love to to do a pod with you again anything else you'd ever want to do just just hit me up i'd love to have you back on our show as well so uh feelings completely mutual man thank you
0: uh, well, i appreciate that i appreciate that yeah we'll do it again and uh you know we we'll get you know, it's, we got plenty to talk about. It's a big off season, so plenty of time, plenty, of, plenty of space to fill. We got dude, we got daily podcasts going through August, so we'll we'll uh, we'll need to fill them at some point. So yeah, for sure. Um. So let me uh. So go ahead. Why don't you tell everyone where uh, where they can find you and uh, where they can follow you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Come come check us out. We're at theundroppables.com. dot com. Uh, you can find me personally at uh, on Twitter is probably the easiest spot to just sort of see what's happening. But you know on Twitter uh, I'm at at Dino Game Theory. The uh, we've got a we've got a number of things going on at the Undroppables. We're kind of a big group, so you know our our focus is not necessarily in direct competition with what you're getting with. Um, you know, with Mr. McNamara here, we're we're doing you know uh, kind of a one-stop shop. We've got offensive line rankings. Brad Wire is doing our offensive line. We've got you know uh, injury analysis. We've got um, you know trade calc. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff uh, you know that 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 you can find on the on the on the site. Um, so definitely come check out the undroppables. We have you know rankings. Everything's free. Um, you know, at this particular point, you know, we are 100% free. We're trying to definitely change the game a little bit, so that's where we're at. Um, check out my pod, which is the un- the Undrafted Pod. Uh, it's long, as you can tell. I like to talk. Unfortunately, well, maybe that's good for a podcaster, but uh, that's what the that's what the fuck I do. Um, so, you know, come check out the pod at, at the Undrafted. But if you search the Undroppables, you know, anywhere. Whether it be you know in, the, in in your search bar at Google or on your podcast, you're actually going to see a number of pods come up. You know, the Unscripted is is, is the other pod. Uh, we've got DFS, uh, Detroit Beastie. If you're on Twitter, uh, Chris Robin is doing uh, DFS work for us this year, and he's one of the best in the game. We're super excited to bring him on the pod. So I mean, on the on the team. So um, you know, we've just got a lot of stuff going on. So just just check us out at the Undropables. Uh, whether that be on Twitter, the website, anywhere you're at, just just search us up and we we, we come right to the top, baby. Well, that
0: sounds good. And, and uh, did you say we're on Twitter? At Dino, yeah. Ga- yeah. OK.
1: Dino Game
0: uh, Three. Yep. Dino Game Three. So Jack's uh, Falcon. Yeah. Jack's Falcon. Um, all right, Scott, I got to thank you again for coming on. I Cheers. look forward to getting back together soon. Um, stay safe. And uh, all right, until next time, everyone keep embracing the variance and we will talk again very soon.